Hello, my name is Nigel Bowden. I'd like to welcome you to episode 13 of the Wi-Fi for Beginners podcast. This is a series of podcasts discussing the fundamentals of wireless LAN networking. In each episode, we'll take a look at a different aspect of Wi-Fi to build your understanding and knowledge of wireless LAN networks. Each episode is accompanied by a set of slides describing the topics covered in that episode. Although you don't need to review these slides while listening to the podcast, they may be useful for you to review the material we discuss and provide some visual aids so you can more fully understand some of the concepts and equipments described. All recordings and supporting material can be found at my website, which is wififorbeginners.com. Uh, just a, a quick few words about myself before we get going. My name is Nigel Bowden. Uh, I'm a UK-based wireless LAN consultant. Been in the IT industry for quite a few years now. I've been specialising in wireless LANs now uh, for over five years. Um, if you want to get in contact, I'm uh, pretty active on social media. I'm on Twitter, and my handle is at Wi-Fi Nigel. And I've got a blog site, which is wifi-nigel.com. And of course, don't forget, you can find the website for this podcast, which is wififorbeginners.com. And I strongly encourage you to get along there and uh, check out all of the previous recordings, the slide material, the quizzes, and especially would like you to sign up for my mail list so that uh, you can keep up to date with all the exciting things that are coming up in the podcast and other bits and pieces I'm going to be adding to the website uh, as time goes on in terms of uh, learning opportunities and material. So we're actually on episode 13 at the moment and the podcast series is broken down into a number of major modules which cover major topics within uh, Wi-Fi. And uh, we're actually moving on to module number five now. We've just completed module number four, which was uh, a little bit of a deeper dive on uh, RF theory. Uh, And in module five now, we're having a look specifically at wireless LAN clients. And uh, we're going to be delving into those in a fair amount of detail. Actually, we've got quite a few um, slides to get through as I'm looking at my presentation here. And don't forget, you can find the slides which accompany the series at the website, wififorbeginners.com. And uh, as I say, we've got quite a bit of material to get through, so this is probably going to cover uh, several episodes, uh, which will uh, combine to form one module uh, covering wireless LAN clients. So uh, what are we going to be covering in this module? First of all, we're going to be having a look at what do we mean by a wireless client? What is a wireless client? Just to give us a a baseline definition, uh, we'll then have a look at standards that uh, wireless clients may support or more correctly we should be considering the uh, 802.11 amendments that clients support. We'll be having a a step through the evolution of clients over the past few years to uh, see how we got to where we are now uh, with the current state of wireless LAN clients. We'll be having a look at client behavior that's got some uh, desired behavior and it's also got quite a number of undesired behaviors that we'll uh, have a little bit of a dig into. Uh, We'll have a brief look at a very high level view of 802.11 frame types and we'll be having a look at uh, wireless LAN client speeds and what determines the speed that a wireless client connects at. We'll also be having a look at the characteristics of uh, wireless LAN clients, different types of wireless LAN clients. We'll briefly have a look at wireless NICs, wireless network interface cards. We'll also briefly look at uh, drivers and utilities which goes hand in hand with the wireless NICs subject. Uh, And finally we'll also be revisiting client behaviour Uh, In the client behavior section, fairly early on in the slide deck, we'll be uh, posing a number of questions about why clients behave in particular ways. So hopefully as we move through the course material, we'll answer all of those questions. And so we'll just do a quick review at the end to ensure we've uh, answered all of the questions we've posed about the various ways that uh, clients behave. 
Okay, so moving on to the first slide where we're diving into our main subject material. If you're following along with the slide deck, this is actually slide number six. So what is a wireless LAN client? Well, wireless clients are the reason that wireless LANs exist. We've talked quite a bit already about the infrastructure, about some of the standards, about the uh, RF properties, uh, and we've been primarily looking at the wireless LAN infrastructure itself. And now we're actually turning our attention to clients. The reason the wireless LAN infrastructure exists is so that we can provide connectivity to users and devices so that they can access services. And those users are using wireless client devices to enable them to connect to a wireless LAN and provide access to all of the required network services via both the wireless and wired network. If you think back to our discussion of wireless access points in previous episodes, uh, hopefully you'll remember that we have a number of basic components that every wireless access point has got. Uh, we must have at least one radio in the wireless access point. Usually there's two, one for the 2.4 gigahertz band and one for the 5 gigahertz band. And we also have at least one antenna per radio. Uh, and often, uh, in fact more often than not on modern wireless access points, we have a number of antennas per radio. And uh, the antennas provide the uh, connection over an RF link to a wireless client. Well, this time we're actually looking at the wireless client side of things and there are a, quite a number of similarities between a wireless access point and a wireless client device, obviously, because they're both radio frequency devices, they need uh, radios and antennas. So in a wireless client, we're, again, we're gonna have at least one radio component uh, with at least one antenna. But generally, again, in many modern wireless clients, we'll find they've actually got two radios, one for the 2.4 gigahertz band and one for the five gigahertz band and uh, at least one antenna per radio. Uh, in clients, we tend to have less antennas, actually. A lot of uh, this comes down to the physical space we've got available to uh, uh, accommodate um, antennas within the chassis of uh, a wireless client. If you think of many wireless clients, think like smartphones, laptops, tablets, uh, they're pretty constrained on space, so you can't actually get too much inside them in terms of physical antennas. So we tend to find they've only got one, maybe two at the most uh, in many cases. And due to the small size of the antennas in a client, we find that they can't provide anything like the performance we would expect uh, from a wireless access point. Many modern clients, such as smartphones, laptops and tablets, will have dedicated chipsets for a whole variety of functions that they provide. Uh, and the radio side of things is no different. Most modern clients will have a dedicated radio chipset that supports the radio functions of the device. Uh, and as well as providing Wi-Fi connectivity, this radio chipset may include other services such as Bluetooth. So, to get back to our original question, what is a Wi-Fi client? Well, a Wi-Fi client is a wireless device that supports the 802.11 protocol and it can join an 802.11 wireless LAN. It actually does this through a process called association and the wireless client associates to a wireless access point so it makes a logical connection to the network so that it can actually pass data over the wireless link and uh, across our wireless and wired network. Uh, and examples of wireless clients, we've already talked about a few of these already. We've obviously got wireless laptops, uh, tablet devices, smartphones, we've got Wi-Fi voice handsets, we've got things like uh, barcode scanners in warehouses and in the retail space, we've got patient telemetry systems, point of sale unit, heating controllers, a whole host of different devices which can use an 802.11 client connection to join a wireless LAN. Ideally, when a client associates with an access point and it actually joins 
the wireless LAN, uh, we hope that it will join its nearest access point. If we imagine a wireless LAN network where we've got quite a few access points across maybe the floor of a building, um, hopefully the wireless client will join the access point which is physically nearest to it and then as the wireless client moves around that building um, it will hopefully move from access point to access point as different access points uh, come into range of the client. Uh, and if we actually think about uh, our original reference model that we talked about way back in episode one, if you remember we have a reference model uh, which is based on a traditional uh, core distribution edge model so at the core we've got our high speed core switches and our distribution layer we've got the layer 3 distribution switches and at the edge we've got our layer 2 edge switches and then we actually extend the edge of the network using our wireless access points. If you have a look at slide 9 of the slide deck which accompanies this particular module you can see that I've actually provided uh, our reference model uh, again but this time we've included a number of wireless access points uh, at our layer 2 edge and we can see we've got uh, a wireless client which is joining uh, the first access point and then as the wireless client moves from access point to access point it actually goes through a process called roaming as it uh, associates with each of the nearest access points that it comes into range of. There are a few new concepts we've talked about here whilst discussing wireless client connectivity and I think we'll just take a few moments to look at these a little bit more deeply. So we'll discuss the basic connectivity process for a wireless client. So uh, a wireless client will be powered on uh, in the vicinity of a wireless network or it will move into the range of a wireless network and the first thing it needs to do is to actually discover what wireless networks are available to it. Uh, it does this through a process called probing which allows it to discover wireless networks in the vicinity. If it discovers a network that it's able to join it'll then attempt to go through the association process and this is the process whereby it will actually attempt to join the wireless LAN and uh, hopefully it'll try and join its nearest access points and it generally does this by trying to associate with the access point which has got the highest signal level that it can hear so it's effectively the loudest access point that it can hear. Once the client's completed the association process, it now has an RF connection to the wireless access point, it's got an RF connection to the wireless LAN, and it's got connectivity for uh, client traffic to travel between the uh, wireless client over the RF link and to the wireless access point, uh, and this facilitates uh, a connection across to the wired network, so we've got end-to-end -end connectivity for the client across the whole wired and wireless infrastructure. And just to sort of recap what the actual connectivity looks like, if we think about the uh, wireless client, it's actually established an RF link to the wireless access point. The wireless access point itself has got a wired connection into the edge switch at the edge of the network, and then from the edge switch we've obviously got connections up to the distribution layer, the distribution switch, and then we've got connection from distribution up to the core and then that uh, gives us access to a whole variety of destinations uh, generally one of the required services that the uh, the client user using the client needs to access so it gives us this end-to-end -end connectivity once we've got this association between the client and the wireless network we've got this uh, data path across the entire network end-to-end -to, -end to access services and generally the client is going to move around uh, a facility it's going to move around the wireless LAN and as it moves around the wireless LAN from location to location the desired behavior is for the wireless client itself to roam 
between access points so it'll leave uh, one access point as it moves away from it and as it moves into the range of another access point it'll hopefully uh, join that access point and reassociate to that new access point so that it's maintaining uh, its best quality highest signal connection at all times. It may not be immediately obvious why we want to encourage this roaming behavior, why we actually want a wireless client to roam from access point to access point, trying to stay connected to the nearest access point at all times. Uh, you may be thinking, well, why can we not just get a client to join one access point as it goes into a room or part of a building and then stay attached to that as long as we possibly can? Uh, I mean, theoretically, you know, a wireless client could actually remain connected to an access point over a very large area. You could actually get quite a long way away before you actually got to the point where your signal level was so low that you couldn't maintain a connection anymore. So technically it is possible to maintain connectivity to clients over a much larger area, uh, but this isn't desirable for, for a number of reasons. And the first one to think about is our discussions on free space loss that we talked about back in our RF theory module. If you remember that as a client moves away from an RF source, such as a wireless access point, then the received power that's arriving at the client uh, actually reduces as we get further and further away from the access point. Uh, and the problem with this is that as the signal level reduces, then the connection speed that can be maintained between the client and the wireless access point itself actually reduces. So as the wireless signal drops off, the quality of the signal connection drops off, and so the connection speed which can be maintained also reduces. The net effect of this is that as a client moves further and further away from an access point, its connection speed drops. And as well as free space loss, we also have to factor in other things such as obstructions, which we're going to encounter as we move further and further away from an access point, uh, which again is going to degrade the signal, causing us to have lower and lower connection speeds. To try to demonstrate this point further, I've actually included a slide, uh, slide number 12, uh, which gives a graphical representation of this concept of a client moving further away from the access point and its connection speed dropping. Uh, I'll just describe it for you and you can uh, maybe have a look at it later if you're not currently uh, looking at the slide deck in front of you. We've got a wireless access point at the centre of the diagram and this is surrounded by a series of three concentric circles. On the uh, innermost circle we've got uh, a signal level down to uh, neg 57 dBm. I, I know we haven't actually covered signal levels and dB measurements so uh, bear with me on this one but if we just uh, just talk through it. So we've got a signal level down to neg 57 dBm in the first circle and as we move further away from the access point we've got a second circle which goes down to neg 59 dBm so the signal has dropped even further and then outside of that we've got a third circle where the signal level drops down to neg 64 dBm. Uh, and on the innermost circle when we're closest to the AP we're maintaining a connection speed of 200 megabits per second and then as we move into the second circle and the signal level drops the connection speed of the client drops to 180 megabits per second and as we move even further out into the third circle uh, where our signal levels drop down to neg 64 dBm we've actually now got a connection speed of 150 megabits per second so just by moving away from the access point we've dropped from 200 megabits per second down to 150 megabits per second and this effect uh, continues as you move further and further out from the wireless access point and the signal level drops 
Okay, so we've established that uh, as our wireless client moves further and further away from uh, the wireless access point that it's associated to, uh, the signal level it receives uh, falls off due to obstructions and uh, free space loss, and uh, due to the reducing signal level, uh, the speed that it connects at uh, gets slower and slower as it moves away. Um, so this, you know, is a pretty bad thing anyway. We really don't want our clients running at sub-optimal speeds. But you know, if we think about a client that's maybe only uh, browsing the web, it doesn't actually need too much bandwidth, particularly anyway. So yeah, what's really um, the the harm in a client running at lower speeds? Well, the problem that we've got is that the actual effect of slower clients doesn't actually just affect the one client which is experiencing the slower connection speed. It actually has an impact on other clients which are connected. Uh, to the same access point. If you think back to our previous discussions about uh, wireless LANs, we've discussed the fact that the RF medium is in fact a shared medium. Uh, it's actually contended between all clients in an AP cell as well as the actual access point itself and all stations, that's the access point, and the clients within an AP cell all share a finite amount of airtime which is available. There's a, a finite amount of time during which uh, frames can be sent by all clients and the access point who need to send data and clients and the access point all have to take it in turns to transmit data as they've got data to send. If you think back to the previous module, we talked about the way that clients access the RF medium. We talked about CSMA CA, which is carrier sense multiple access with collision avoidance. And we talked about the fact that uh, stations listen to see if they can hear a carrier to see whether or not the channel is actually in use. And if the carrier uh, isn't detected, the channel is available for use by that client. Uh, and then there's a series of random back off countdown timers that clients will uh, count down uh, in order to try and randomize access to the RF medium. This ensures that we don't get lots of clients all trying to transmit at the same time and causing lots of collisions and uh, corrupt frames. So once a client determines that the channel is free and it's got data to transmit, it will actually go ahead and transmit that data to the wireless access point. The actual speed that the client connects at is determined by a number of factors, including things like the client's capabilities. But if we think back to our previous discussion, we also determined that the speed of connection is also determined by the uh, distance of the client from the wireless access point. If you remember, as the client moves away from the wireless access point, its speed uh, reduces. So if we've got a client which is actually a reasonable distance from the wireless access point, it's going to be operating at a much lower speed than it would if it was near the access point. And so we're actually going to get a fairly slow speed connection between the wireless access point and the wireless client itself. So for instance, instead of being able to send uh, data at 450 megabits per second, which a client may do if it was very close to the access point, it may only be sending at a rate of 54 megabits per second, which is considerably less uh, than it potentially could. And the effect of this is that if a client has got a chunk of data to send, it's going to take longer to send that same chunk of data at 54 megabits per second when it's further away from the access point than it would if it's near to the access point and it's got a full connectivity speed of 450 megabits per second. So obviously the same chunk of data is going to take longer to send, so that means the actual RF medium is occupied by that client for a longer period of time. Uh, and so if you think back to the notion of the RF medium being contended, where all clients have to share their access time to the medium, then 
if a station is taking longer than it, it should do because it's further away operating at a slower speed it's actually going to reduce the amount of time available for all of the clients on that same cell to send their data so it's effectively going to reduce the efficiency and the overall throughput of the entire access point cell and if you imagine we have a number of clients which are not connected at their optimal speeds to the access point then the throughput efficiency of the cell is very quickly degraded by a few slower speed clients to try and demonstrate the effect of clients uh, connecting at slower speeds and the effect that it has on other clients on an AP cell, uh, I've put together a slide, a slide number 14, uh, which demonstrates an analogy for an RF channel between a wireless client and a wireless access point. We're actually representing the path between the two by a single lane roadway. So we've got a stretch of road which is only a single lane in width uh, and we can only have vehicles going in one direction or the other at any time. And this is obviously an analogy for the half duplex nature of the wireless link between uh, a wireless client and a wireless access point. At each end of the road we've got a queue of traffic that is waiting to use the roadway. Uh, on one side we've actually got a sports car, we've got a lorry, we've got a, a standard saloon car and we've actually got a pedal cycle. Uh, at the other end we've got again a sports car, pedal cycle, uh, another sports car, uh, a lorry and a standard saloon car. And they're all in the queue at either end of the road waiting to uh, drive along the road so they can get to the other side and uh, off onto hopefully a faster highway somewhere. So if we consider the effect of the order in which vehicles travel down the highway it's obviously going to affect the amount of time that vehicles behind them are going to be queuing and waiting to use the roadway. So let's think about how uh, the flow of vehicles might travel down the roadway. If we look on the left hand side first of all we've got a bicycle which is going to travel the length of the roadway and this may take uh, perhaps a minute, it's going to be fairly slow and uh, takes a minute to get from one end to the other and then behind the bicycle we've got a saloon car, maybe that takes us uh, maybe 30 seconds to travel the length of the same piece of roadway behind that we've got a, a truck which maybe takes uh, 45 seconds, it's a little bit slower than the car but a little bit faster than the bicycle and then uh, at the very back of the queue on the left hand side we've got a sports car, maybe that can speed down the highway at uh, about 10 seconds so get from one end to the other in 10 seconds. So we can see that in total we've, you know, we've probably taken the best part of a couple of minutes to get all of that traffic down the uh, roadway uh, in one direction. If we now think about if we had four sports cars that were all queued up waiting to travel down that uh, section of roadway, you can imagine if we've got four lots of 10 seconds it's certainly going to be uh, far less than the two minutes or so that it took for the four uh, slower speed vehicles to travel down the same length of highway. And we've got exactly the same effect when we're thinking about slower clients uh, which are trying to use the airtime in a wireless access point cell. So hopefully this gives you some idea, it's a, a good demonstration of why slower clients which are subject to the same uh, limitations as this highway that we've talked about, despite the fact that all these vehicles are using the same piece of roadway, uh, their individual capabilities, the speeds that they're limited to, uh, has a knock-on effect of all of the other uh, vehicles which are hoping to use the same piece of road. And as I say we get this exact same effect with slower speed clients slowing down all of the clients uh, on an AP cell for exactly the same reasons of differences in speed and slower speed devices lowering the efficiency of the use of the RF channel between an access point and the clients.
So obviously it's important that we try and maintain the optimal speed for our clients at all time by encouraging them or providing them the capability to roam between access points to try and maintain a nice strong signal connection and hence uh, an optimum speed uh, which optimizes the efficiency for all clients which are operating in an AP cell. Uh, but distance from a wireless access point isn't the only factor which influences the speed at which a client connects. There are a large variety of Wi-Fi clients available now uh, and their capability is very much determined by the different 802.11 amendments which they support. Uh, quite often you'll hear people talking about different standards that they support uh, but all of the devices uh, that operate on a wireless LAN operate to the 802.11 standard and um, what they're actually referring to is the uh, various amendments which are added to the 802.11 standard over time uh, and with amendments there, be, there come new uh, capabilities in terms of connection speed and a whole host of different features. You'll often find that older clients support older 802.11 amendments and uh, consequently they generally connect at lower speeds uh, as 802.11 amendments have been added uh, the speeds that clients can connect at have improved over time they've got faster and faster so obviously newer clients have been able to implement the more recent amendments providing uh, higher connection speeds another factor is the economic side of things quite often find that some manufacturers who are maybe producing budget equipment don't actually want to invest in the more expensive hardware which is associated with supporting more recent amendments uh, and so with budget devices you may well find they support older uh, 802.11 amendments and obviously can't achieve the higher connection rates uh, that we'd like for modern devices. So we've got a huge variety of wireless clients available to us today. Uh, we've got the obvious clients, things such as laptops, tablets, smartphones, uh, but there's also a whole range of specialist equipment, things like home automation equipment. We've even got TVs in our homes today. We've got media units, uh, set-top boxes. Uh, we've got things like security cameras, a whole variety of medical equipment, point-of-sale equipment, games consoles, and, and the list goes on and on. And I'm sure you can add many more to this list, a whole range of wireless LAN devices which we can connect to our wireless LAN. And the capability of each client uh, varies with uh, some of the factors we've already discussed. We've obviously got the variety of connection speeds with the 802.11 amendments that we've discussed. And there are other factors such as economic factors we've talked about. But there are also factors such as uh, the physical size of the device, the amount of power that's available. And we'll be discussing many more of these different factors later on in this module. So that pretty much wraps it up for this particular episode. In the next episode, we'll continue our discussion of wireless client types. And we'll be starting off with a quick review of some of the 802.11 amendments uh, and the effect uh, that support for each of those amendments has on client speeds. So I'd just like to remind you that you can get along to my website which is wififorbeginners.com if you'd like to look at the accompanying slides for this episode and all previous episodes uh, and you can also download all the previous audio presentations and the slides for all of the previous modules in this series at the website that's wififorbeginners.com and I'd also like to invite you to join the mailing list you can sign up there with a panel on the right hand side of each web page uh, so you can find out all of the exciting things that we've got coming up uh, in the near future on the Wi-Fi for Beginners podcast so we'll just finish off with a very quick recap on the topics we've covered in this particular episode we started by discussing the fact that wireless lands primarily exist 
for one reason and that is to provide connectivity for wireless clients. So wireless clients are very important when we're talking about wireless LANs in general and wireless clients allow users and devices to access services across a network. We also talked about the fact that very much like a wireless access point, uh, a wireless client has to have at least a radio to transmit and receive signals and at least one antenna to allow those radio signals to be propagated through the air. Uh, quite often we find that many clients have at least two radios, they have one for the 2.4 gigahertz network and one for the 5 gigahertz network and clients will have one or more antennas per radio. We also talked about the fact that a wireless client is a device that supports the 802.11 standard and it will actually associate to a wireless access point. This means it will actually form a connection to a wireless access point to allow us to transfer data between the client and the wireless network. We also talked about the fact that ideally we would like clients to associate with the nearest access point that they encounter uh, and then as they move through a facility we would like them to roam between access points maintaining a connection to the nearest access point that they encounter as they move around the facility. We also revisited our original network reference model. Um, we talked about a fairly simple core distribution and edge layered network. And at the edge of the network where we've got our layer 2 edge switches, we extend the edge of our network with wireless access points connected to those edge switches. And in our enhanced representation of that model, we're now showing a number of access points which are connected to a variety of edge switches and we're showing a client which joins an initial access point and then will reassociate with access points as it moves through the facility roaming from access point to access point. Briefly talk through the basic client connectivity process. When a client is powered on or it comes within range of a network, it will actually probe uh, for networks to try and discover which networks are available. It will then attempt to join the network using a process called association and it will actually associate with a wireless access point to form a connection to the wireless network. And as we previously said, as the client is mobile and it moves around the network, the desired behavior that we're looking for is for the wireless client to re-establish RF connections uh, to the nearest access point as it moves around the facility so that it can maintain its highest speed and best quality connection. We also talked about the fact that as a wireless client moves away from a wireless access point, the signal level from that wireless access point falls away because of free space loss. And as the signal falls, then the client connection speed to that access point falls. And so as we move further and further away from an access point, the connection speed and the data transfer speed reduces as we move further and further away from the access point. We also then went on to discuss the fact that uh, reduction in wireless client speed affects more than just the client itself as its connection speed drops. We need to remember that a wireless AP cell is actually a shared medium, so all devices within that cell are contending to use the finite amount of airtime which is available. So if we have clients which are running at a slower speed, they're going to take longer to transmit their data, which means that other clients in the same cell have to wait longer uh, to transmit their data, hence lowering the number of transmit opportunities available to other clients to transmit their data. This means that slower speed clients have a negative effect on all of the clients on the same cell. We then took a very brief look at an analogy for this particular issue. Uh, we discussed a single lane highway with queues of traffic at both ends with vehicles of varying speeds and the negative effect of slower speed vehicles on the throughput of this section of roadway. 
Finally, we discussed other factors which might affect the performance of wireless clients, and we talked about things such as support for 802.11 amendments and the cost and quality of components which have been installed in the clients. So I'd like to thank you very much for joining me on this particular episode of the Wi-Fi for Beginners podcast. I hope this has been useful to you. And as I say, don't forget to get along to the website, which is wififorbeginners.com, where you can find all of the supporting material and information uh, about the podcast. So thanks very much for joining me. I look forward to joining you again soon on the next episode of the Wi-Fi for Beginners podcast.